Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor has been granted permission by the team to seek out a trade. How hard should the Dolphins kick these tires as we get ready for the start of the 2023 season? You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting with Joe Marino. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. want to tip the cap to the everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis because it is your team Every day, today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Jonathan Taylor. Surprise, surprise. Another running back. Another day that ends in Y. Another running back that's unhappy with his contractual situation. And we've known about the Jonathan Taylor stuff since the team reported to training camp. But Jim Ursay comes out and says, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. And, uh, well, you know, fast forward, what is it, uh, four weeks. And the Colts have given Jonathan Taylor permission to seek out a trade. And there's a whole lot of things that are going on here. And there's a whole lot of opinions from a whole lot of Dolphins fans. So I did what I usually do. I checked the tape. I watched Jonathan Taylor. And not Jonathan Taylor from last year when he was dealing with the uh, issue, the ankle issue. But went back to 2021 and watched Jonathan Taylor against a number of teams, including rewatching a game that he played against the Miami Dolphins that year. It was at that game. It was a bummer. Flew down spontaneously. Colts bad start. Dolphins lost a football game in the midst of that seven-game losing streak in 2021 that ultimately caused your playoff spot. So um, I wanted to come at the Jonathan Taylor Dolphins-specific angle from a couple different ways. And the first thing that you have to talk about in any situation in which you are exploring acquiring, exploring acquiring a blue-chip player is the opportunity cost. And blue chip players at the running back position are, of course, a unique proposition because there is this uh, very prominent talking point across the league about running back contracts to the point where they're holding Zoom calls with all the backs across the league that are the top guys trying to figure out what they can do to break the glass ceiling that's on the market for the position and uh, the devaluation of the position relative to other positions across the league. And then you put it through the scope of the Dolphins where they have their own contracts that they're trying to hammer out. And it, it it's pretty chaotic. And one of the number one uh, concerns that I have seen and heard voiced by Dolphins fans pertaining to the hypothetical acquisition of Jonathan Taylor is the opportunity cost to address another position along the offensive line. So I don't disagree. Fans say I would rather invest aggressively in the offensive line. But I, I think that's for me, if you look at it outside of the vacuum of I want the Dolphins offensive line to be better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but there is a resource scarcity of offensive linemen. There's like four teams across the league that feel really good about their five starters 
and that's it. And there's no team in the league that feels really good about their seventh offensive lineman on their roster. So if you think about the Dolphins, and obviously Teron Armstead is a player who uh, is handsomely rewarded. He signed a five-year, $75 million contract with the team last offseason, played 13 games last year, gutted through a foot injury for the majority of the year. You had the injury scare. You know, he had arthroscopic surgery earlier this summer to clean out his knee so that he would be ready to go for the season, and they avoided anything severe there. But the injury durability questions exist. Connor Williams is in a contract year. Robert Hunt's in a contract year. Isaiah Wynn appears to be pulling away at the left guard spot, and I think that's an upgrade over what they've had. And then you obviously have Austin Jackson at right tackle who uh, has his ups and has his downs, and, and we kind of don't know because he played like 80 snaps last year in his third year in the NFL, but his first year in this system. So I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but the point of this is who is out there that you would realistically pursue at this point in time. And if the, if there's not an answer, then it's, it's a common sense statement that I would rather invest in the offensive line. But if there's no one to invest in, then it doesn't really matter if you'd rather invest in that because it, it's, you have to make all these decisions based on the information that you have available to you without the benefit of hindsight, right? It's how Cedric Wilson gets the contract that he did. It's how Emmanuel Agbe gets the contract that he did before Bradley Chubb becomes available at the trade deadline. You think if the Dolphins knew that Tyree Kill was going to become available for trade two weeks after the start of the league year, they'd sign Cedric Wilson that contract? Absolutely not. But based off the information that they had at the time, they made the possible best possible decision that they could to improve the wide receiver room. Then they improved it even more. And they didn't let a previous decision prevent them from acquiring an elite player. So if I'm looking at it through the running back position lens, I think about re-signing Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. I think about the team drafting Devon A. Chain in the third round. But this team reportedly made an offer for Saquon Barkley, or it called and inquired, I should say, about Saquon Barkley. This team reportedly had a trade compensation package ready to go for Dalvin Cook before they got A. Chain in the third round. Now this team is reportedly interested in kicking this. So, so say what you want about all the guys that they got. There's a pretty clear trend here for the Dolphins' interest in the position that I don't think we should be ignoring as Jonathan Taylor is seeking out a trade. And the biggest hang-up is, well, I'd rather invest in the offensive line. So would I. But who is available? The teams that are going to be competitive this year and expecting to compete and try to win their division and make the playoffs and get a playoff run, they're not going to trade a starting offensive lineman. They're not. And for the price, that's the downside of offensive line investments. Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers for the Denver Broncos got contracts that are going to be comparative to what Jonathan Taylor is seeking out at 13 to $17 million per season. It's a big number, and we'll talk about compensation, and we'll talk about contract. But if you're going to spend $17 million, or you're going to spend $13 million, $13.5 million, would you rather have Ben Powers at guard? Or would you rather have a top-five player at his position in Jonathan Taylor when you look at the offensive line and you say, well, there's not really anybody that's available that you would invest in right now anyway 
to go out and get. Trading for Jonathan Taylor, hypothetically, wouldn't prevent you from signing Jason Peters to be your fourth tackle as a veteran presence in the room if you want to play that game. If you're going to say, well, Isaiah Winnie's an interior guy now. So you've got Teron Armstead, Austin Jackson, projected starters. Kendall Lambs looked promising in the preseason and through training camp. And he looked promising when he played for a brief stint for you last year. Who's your fourth guy? Is it Ryan Hayes? Are you, is it going to be Liam Eikenberg as just a utility player? Or do you want to go out and actually sign a tackle? Jason Peters is out there. You probably get him for a very small amount of money. You could still accomplish that feat of addressing the offensive line. And if you're going to hold him up against free agent guard Dalton Risner, look, let's be honest. Isaiah Wynn now, and then Robert Jones uh, has been a competent player, and you, you feel good about the players in the other two spots. Now, Robert Jones is dealing with an MCL. We probably won't see him for a month or so. But I think you've got enough options on the interior. So I, I sympathize with the opportunity cost of trading uh, potential assets for Jonathan Taylor and saying, well, there's other ways I'd rather invest those assets. I agree. But it's only going to be relevant if there's players available to invest it in. And there's not a lot of teams that are trading quality starting offensive linemen. And the quality of what you would be getting back in return because of positional value is going to be proportionately less if you went that direction instead. So uh, that's kind of my perspective on the opportunity cost. I agree with the concern. Show me who's available to trade and let's have the conversation because I don't think you're going to find a lot of options personally. Now, we got to talk about trade compensation, what this package could hypothetically look like. We're going to do that next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. Listen up, guys. I'm a big subscriber of the fact that you got to look good to play good. Personally believe it. And that's why I love throwing on a good pair of bird dogs anytime I got to step out of the house. And sometimes even when I'm just laying around the house, it's still bird dogs. Bird dogs makes you look good. They've got stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look, accomplishing the same thing as Lululemon, but with a fit that is way better. They're much better than stiff, stuffy, regular shorts with restricting cotton. Bird dogs invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you have a slimmer fit and they have anti-stick sweat wicking material in case you're out and about on a hot day. So you can stay cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off once you got them. I promise you that. So compensation, the Colts, it's been reported, are looking for a trade compensation package that is equivalent to a first-round pick. Okay, <laughs> that's um, it's very rich, and I think the Colts are probably in for a rude awakening. Now, I, I do think there are a number of teams that will be interested. I think the Dolphins are among them from the reports that we have heard and what we've heard from Barry Jackson and 
Marcel Louis-Jacques from the Miami Herald and ESPN, respectively, and other outlets and uh, people that I've reached out to or have reached out to me on my own, I can confirm that the the Dolphins are are interested. Now, um, if we're really just going to boil this down to the question of if should the Dolphins pursue Jonathan Taylor, my answer is yes. Kind of an unequivocal yes. But it it's not something that I would be irresponsible about pursuing. I would give an honest, firm offer to give the Colts compensation that they feel would be appropriate, but also uh, not mortgage away my entire source of resources for next offseason. So how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? So I have the trade value chart up here with the acknowledgement that the Colts want a draft selection that is worth that of a first-round pick. Okay. Let's look at the picks that the, the Dolphins have currently scheduled for next year. They have their own first. According to the, what is this set off of the Super Bowl odds? Yeah, so this is currently set off the Super Bowl odds. Miami's sitting at like the 25th pick in the draft. That would be according to the old school Jimmy Johnson trade value chart, uh, worth 720 points. Indianapolis's first scheduled pick from a Super Bowl odds perspective uh, is the 35th overall pick. That's worth 550 points. So right there is a discrepancy of 170 points. 170 points on the trade value chart. So it's all the picks and all the rounds, and there's a number associated with it that when teams are trying to negotiate trades, they've looked at and said, well, this pick is valued at approximately this much. So how do we get the numbers to be as close as possible where you get what you want and I get what I want? 170 points is the total value of the 84th pick in the NFL draft. Okay. So just file that away. Now that's the difference between Miami's first pick and Indianapolis's first pick. And the reason why I'm going to make this about those two picks is if Miami's going to send a premier asset, a high-prized asset. You are going to have to send us something back. I'm not going to say, well, I'll send you a two and a three, which they don't have this year, so it would have to be a 2025 because of the tampering punishment from the league. Send it back, Goodell. I demand it. Uh, They don't have a four already because of the Bradley Chubb trade. So you kind of get into this slippery slope where, like, I'm not giving away picks. and and just not going to pick again next year because the concern, and it's another concern that's been raised that the dolphins are at the tipping point with how many draft selections that they've made, that they're going to have to start to infuse some more young rookie talent. That is three, four, potentially five years of rookie contract money onto their books. I agree with that as well. It's a legitimate concern. So if I'm going to send you a draft pick, you got to send me a draft pick back. It's just going to be a lower draft pick. That's where this conversation starts for me. So it becomes, okay, oh, Miami's pick at in the second round with where the Super Bowl odds currently have them picked. So let's say it's in the mid-50s, is somewhere between 350 to 300 points. Well, the Colts have a pick that's currently projected to be at the very top of the third round. That's worth 255 picks. So you're talking about 100 points difference. That's worth about a fourth round pick. So it doesn't doesn't help you a ton. Unless the Dolphins were to say, okay, Jonathan Taylor, 
I think there's, I have two hypothetical packages I'd like to put on the table here. And if the Colts want to take one of these, then great. I've heard it alluded to uh, that the Colts would potentially want another running back back. I don't know why you had Kareem Hunt in for a visit. So unless that was a nuclear experience, I would just sign Kareem Hunt and move on with my life and try to get other assets in other spots. But if the Colts want a running back back, I think the back that makes the most sense to transition away from is Jeff Wilson as the physical back, the current physical back within the room. Would the Colts take Jonathan Taylor and their second round pick, which is currently projected to be top half of the second round, and if the Colts feel good about their ability to contend this year, which I think is within reason because the Titans and the Texans are in this division, and I don't think they're going to be uh, particularly competitive. Uh, so Indianapolis, if you say, hey, we think we're the second best team in this division, that might get us to seven, eight wins. Maybe this is a middle of the round pick instead of a top of the round pick. Would you accept Jonathan Taylor and a second round pick? And in return, the Dolphins send their first round pick, a third round pick in 2025, and Jeff Wilson. So Indianapolis receives Miami's first round pick in 2024, running back Jeff Wilson, and a third round pick in 2025. So the third round pick in a future year is worth less because it's you're effectively you have to wait 18 months to cash it in, right? The difference between the two teams' current forecasted picks in the first and third round is approximately equal to another third round pick. So now you have two third round picks. Because again, the point difference between Miami's projected first round pick and the Colts' first round pick is 170 points, which is equal to the 84th pick in the draft. If the Colts feel like they can get into the middle of the NFL standings or better, and if the Colts think they're a playoff team, well, now suddenly the difference between these two picks is about 250 to 300 points. And that is worth a second round pick. So now you would be getting, if the Colts think they're a playoff team or a potential playoff team, you'd be getting a second round pick, a third round pick, a Jeff Wilson would be how the numbers would view it from the Colts perspective. And in Miami's perspective, I think we're going to be with Jonathan Taylor, Super Bowl contenders. And I'm looking at you as a team with a rookie quarterback as a team that's probably going to have some growing pain. So from Miami's perspective, we say, hey, I think this is a nice hedge for us. We might only trade down 10 spots. We might trade down eight spots. But if the Colts believe that they're going to be competitive, then by all means, I'll trade down 10 spots in a future three for Jonathan Taylor and, and flip out a running back anyway. From a compensation perspective, I think that makes sense. And the other one that I, I kind of... Uh, hung out there was when the Jonathan Taylor stuff first broke. And it would be Miami's second round draft selection and Emmanuel Agba. Uh, the Colts have a need at defensive end. Agba has fit the body type that Chris Ballard has routinely gone after as far as trying to build that edge group. Trading Emmanuel Agba frees up about $15 million in cap space for the Dolphins this year. That is more than enough to take a influx of a new contract in stride and then everything else that you would do up until next offseason when you need to create cap room uh, is status quo. 
And the other opportunity cost thing that we haven't really touched on yet is uh, what the implications are uh, for the players that are currently under contract with the team if you were to be bringing this player in. And that's what we're going to explore last here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins is Jonathan Taylor's hypothetical contract and what that would mean for players like Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins and Robert Hunt and so on and so forth. So that's what we're closing with here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. These days, every potential hire feels like a high-stakes wager for you and your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best qualified candidates available at your fingertips, and that's why to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile so that people know that you're hiring and you can spread the word. And then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and eventually hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. I will say this. Uh, we have had a very spirited debate with the Locked On Dolphins subtext community. So if you're interested in texting directly with me or want to uh, be a part of the Locked On Dolphins subtext community group as well, uh, you can text Dolphins to 305-419-3924 uh, to sign up. You get your first two weeks free. Find out if you like it and it's for you. If not, it's a couple bucks a month. Uh, you get to text directly with me. get access to the group uh, conversation as well. Uh, and it's been really fun to kind of Talk about the preseason game against Houston. Talk about injuries and players coming back. Tanner Connor activated off the PUP. Uh, what the implications of that are for the tight end group. Talk about Jonathan Taylor and the potential landing spots and compensation. And uh, uh, it, it's been really fun to talk with that group. Uh, so Dolphins to 305-419-3924. Get your first two weeks free. If you like it, great. It's a couple bucks a month. And you get a really great community to talk Miami Dolphins with. Now, compensation it's been reported jonathan taylor is looking to land in the upper stratosphere i've seen numbers alluded anywhere from 13 to 16 million dollars it's a lot of money he's an awesome player though <laughs> and i think that the selling point for me is jonathan taylor's a math changer and you might not know what that means uh, and what i would say is this in the experiences that I've had in scouting the league and learning the league and learning the game and quantifying the game. Joe Marino and I at Locked On NFL Scouting have done a project the last few years where we look at all the teams, we grade all the players, and then we ask ourselves ask ourselves the question: Who are the math changers? Who are the guys that when you play them, it changes the rules of engagement? It changes how you have to strategize your game plan. And Jonathan Taylor, for defensive coaches and defensive players and teams across the league, he is a math changer because he is an absolute freak of an athlete that is ultimate height, weight, speed, but he also has high-level instincts, 
high-level vision. He played in the zone system at Wisconsin that really stands out to me as well. So when you put all of the pieces of the Jonathan Taylor profile together, that's the selling point. 5'10", 226 pounds, and ran a 4.39 40-yard dash. You don't have to ask, is this guy a scheme fit for outside zone? He's a scheme fit for anything. He can do anything under the sun. And case in point, I had almost 1,900 rushing yards in 2021. Just an absolute monster of a running back when he is healthy. Now, of course, there is the storyline of the ankle and how much of the ankle is just the hold in uh, for him. He had off-season surgery. I don't have answers to those questions, and, and that's a layer to this that I don't envy teams for having to work their way through and, and determine. But Jonathan Taylor, at effectively 225, 230 pounds, has the speed of Chris Brooks, or the, the size of Chris Brooks, to put it in the analogy of players that are currently on the roster, has the size of Chris Brooks, more physical than Chris Brooks. The speed of Raheem Mostert and unparalleled vision versus any of the backs on the roster. Talk about the ultimate conflict in defending this Dolphins offense. You got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell on the outside. Dolphins faced more zone coverage and more two high safety shells than effectively any team across the league. Because they're terrified of what these team, these these receivers can do to you, and the Dolphins running two and three man route concepts are spacing the field as though they're facing or as though they are in empty protection and sending five eligibles out into the field because of the speed of the receivers and what it forces you to do. So if everybody's going to play you soft, and you bring in Jonathan Taylor, you could pound the rock, and then teams are going to say, okay, well we got to stuff the box. We got to play heavier personnel groups. So now you're going to leave Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle with a high post safety, and you're going to leave them one on one on corners on the outside. Okay. Good luck. And that's the selling point for me. Is any game plan that in which you're going into face Jonathan Taylor, you're going to say we want to we want to force him to run into heavy box counts and make it as hard as structurally possible with how we play defense for him to have success. And it flies directly in the face in conflict of the exact same thing that defensive coaches are saying about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle combined. 24 years old, cornerstone player, elite player at his position. You knock on the door. I've given you a couple compensation packages that I would be willing to offer. You want a two and you don't want to send a pick back? Great. Go ahead, take Emmanuel Agba so that financially this makes sense for us. You get a player who's going to be a starter for you has multiple years left on his contract, and you get it too. And then if Miami, I'm Miami, I probably get to next year's NFL draft, and I'm probably having the conversation of trading down from my first-round pick so that I can still pick for volume. You want the first-round pick so bad? Okay, send us the two. Go ahead, bet on yourselves that you're going to make the playoffs or that you're going to be a competitive team. And we're going to bet on ourselves that with the player that you're going to send us, we're going to move down a handful of spots, really, and it's equal to a third-round pick instead of a high second-round pick. What the 
13 to $17 million contract annual average salary perspective does is I don't think it compounds your issue of retaining any of your, your hallmark or star pieces and, and who I think are the hallmark pieces of this Dolphins young nucleus are um, Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle, Jonathan Taylor would be included in this. And then you would have to wait and see what you have with Tua Tungvaloa this year and see how that storyline plays itself out as far as is he going to command the big-time contract, yes or no. I'm here to tell you with the way the salary cap works, and I've been learning some new stuff over the last couple of weeks about some strategies that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cleveland Browns are implementing, and that's a conversation for another day. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, Miami can theoretically do whatever they want to do over a short period of time. The implications beyond the next two seasons is you're going to transition away from players like Xavier Howard, potentially Jalen Ramsey, potentially Teron Armstead. You may potentially let your quality starters, not cornerstone players like Robert Hunt test free agency. You may see Connor Williams test free agency. I'd be surprised if they both did. I don't think you'd see them uh, slam the door shut on Zach Sealer. Now, you can pick and choose and prioritize, and you can retain all this. And the big important note is there's going to be a transition year sometime. It might be 2024. It might be 2026. It depends on the success that the, the team experiences in the meantime. But what will be important is when you have the transitional year, what you've done beforehand is you have allocated enough talent and locked enough players in on talent. You're not flushing the system and doing 2019 all over again because you're going to say it's 2026. You'll have it. I'm guessing off the, the age off the top of my head. You're going to have a 27 year old wide receiver and Jalen Waddle under contract locked in. You're going to have a 28 year old safety and Javon Holland locked in. You're going to have a 27 year old pass rusher and Jalen Phillips already locked in under contract. Like you're going to have these pillar pieces. So instead of going all the way back to this might be the worst roster of all time, you say, yeah, they, they're, they might not make the playoffs this year. And then you eat, you know what, for a year, you transition through. And then you hopefully, when you did transition and buy up cap space, you were able to trade off a few assets. Then your floor, instead of being all the way down here at 2019, maybe your floor is the 2020 version of the team. And then you can build and spike again. It is cyclical. And I want to be the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots of 2000s and 2010s as much as anybody. But it's not super realistic to have the expectation that we're just going to compete for Super Bowls for 20 years. Most teams have five to seven year windows. Miami's in theirs. Freaking go for it. Except the fact that you're going to get to the end of this rainbow at some point. You're going to have to transition not tear it all down, not lose everybody, transition, make the transition when it's appropriate based off, again, the information that you have at that point in time, because that's all we can use to make our decisions, not with the benefit of hindsight, and then go forward from there. I'd be after this. I would be. I'd be eagerly after this. I would not be irresponsibly after it, but I'd make some offers. And I'd see what the Colts come back with me to. And if it works out, great. And if not, 
awfully ride with the running back stable until the next running back uh, requests a trade and the Dolphins get linked to that and Chris Greer picks up the phone and, and calls. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. Shout out to our everydayers. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Y'all make it a great rest of your day. I will be back again soon to talk more Miami Dolphins football with all of you here on Locked On Dolphins. Fins up.